this is Susan. And this is Katie. And welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. Katie, you and I have not been together, just the two of us, on an episode in quite a while. This is quite exciting. For a while. For a while. I know, yeah. I know. This is good. This is good. <laughs> Everything's been switched up in uh, this COVID life. And I tell you, uh, today is going to be a really, really, really great episode because we do not just have one amazing woman, we have two amazing women on today. And it's a first for the podcast because not only do we have two on at the same time, we have a mother and daughter duo. And it's going to be amazing because as soon as Gwen finished talking with them, uh, she called me and was like, you're going to love this episode so much. And you know, when Gwen gushes, she means it. She's like, she means it. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so, so good. What intrigued me is she said, these ladies really understand grace and they know how to verbalize it. And I'm like, oh, I need, I need to hear this. And the mother, daughter, I love that. Any of you out there that have daughters, you know that bond. Um, we, I personally had three boys and at first, and my husband was like, we're done because we'll just keep having boys. And I'm like, Oh no, we're not. I need a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And then Molly came. No, I know. And then Molly came. Now, those of you with just boys, I'm thinking of Allison Ashenhurst. We ran into each other talking. She just has boys. Boys are easier. (laughs) So don't, don't be sad. Um, God gives us, you know, but, but I only brought that up because trying to have wisdom yeah. of how to relate well, the daughter to the mother, the mother to the daughter. That's what right. I'm just so hoping and expecting in this episode. So listeners yeah. lean in yeah. and we want to welcome Dr. Helen McIntosh and Blythe Daniel. Yay! Yay! Welcome, you two. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. And I tell you what, um, Helen's accent is just delicious. I just love it so much. (laughs) Uh, The majority of my family is from South Carolina, and I know that she's from Georgia, not South Carolina. But those those sweet accents just make me miss my family because it's just you just want to hug hug that accent like you just want to hug it and it's just so precious I can't even stand it I love it so much and truthfully I think our listeners love to hear where our guests are yeah uh, talking yeah. from so Helen just just tell them a little bit about Georgia <laughs> well thank you I was raised in Montgomery uh, it should be a softer accent than what I've got now. I love it. <laughs> I've lived here in, in Georgia, Northwest Georgia for over 50 years. So I probably have a, a little mountain twang in me, but we it's beautiful. are in Dalton, Georgia, just south of Chattanooga, um, maybe 30 minutes. If I love that, Helen. I love that. To drive fast. <laughs> 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 and we do. We're, we're racers. <laughs> and Blythe, how about you, hon? So I grew up in the South, but I met the love of my life in Colorado. So I moved out to Colorado. And I think I still have my Southern accent out here, though. Um, but I, I bet love- you do to them, don't you? I bet they kind of hear it. Yeah, yeah. But I do love the diversity yes. uh, of being able to live in two, two places in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and such different such a different place. I mean, Colorado Springs and Dalton, Georgia. Wow. Different. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Well, Katie, you want to read their bio and introduce them to our listeners and then we'll dive I right in. Would love to. Okay. This mother-daughter duo hasn't always had a close and healthy relationship, but if you're ready to deepen and strengthen your relationship with your mother, daughter, mother-in-law, or daughter-in-law, Dr. Helen McIntosh and Blythe Daniel might just offer the wise and heartfelt encouragement you're looking for. I know I'm looking for it. So ladies, (laughs) ladies listening, um, listen in as they share how they've learned to build and renew a relationship centered around respect and listening. Draw closer to learn all about their new book, Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mother's and daughters. I love that. Oh, I I can't wait to dive in. Well, and you know why I think this is such a timely episode? Because I feel like during COVID um, and quarantine, we've all been, everybody has been um, more, more in contact with their family than ever before. 
And so relationship, exactly. (laughs) Relationships have been put to a test. And I think this is a very timely book and a very timely episode because I think a lot of people, as you are in the last eight months, everyone is being just smushed together that this it's, it's revealing the good, the bad and the ugly and the lovely about everybody. So this is a very timely book and I think it's good. So, all right, Katie, jump right in with our first question. Sometimes all of us find ourselves growing up in somewhat of a difficult story. Um, But Helen, would you describe what it was like for you growing up in a difficult story? I'd be happy to share. Um, Stories are built on chapters, aren't they? And the first couple of chapters weren't so bad. (laughs) But um, the most difficult chapters began when um, I was expecting Blythe, actually, and was uh, there were some signs of trouble with my mom, my difficult relationship with my mom when I was a young girl. But I would say they really bloomed <laughs> when um, I, I was a young mother. That Those were the really the most difficult years. Um, I would hasten to say that it was mostly a very confusing time my mom, we dedicated our book, Mended, Blythe and I, to to my mom. Mm. And she was one of the most loving, giving, generous, um, fun moms on the planet. But, oh, she could erupt in a minute's notice. And it was very, very difficult, her anger and control were very, very difficult in um, those years of, I'd say, when Blythe was small, up until the time Blythe was out of college and into uh, a work world. For uh, she, My mother died in 1998, and Blythe had already been in the work field for about five years post-college, and I was... 55. So for 55 years, I danced on, you talk about walking on eggshells. It was a classic dysfunctional family in that we had these wonderful times, but then in a moment's notice, my mom would erupt. So in summary, I'd say that her anger and control uh, issues were what dominated our family and it was hard. It was really hard. And I I always was wondering, Lord, what what is this? What is the answer? What is the solution? And there were some really sweet times in all this when I got to lead my mom to Christ. Mm. And she had some real victorious seasons. But um the anger and anxiety issues, the control issues. And then there was uh, uh, some alcoholism that she walked through. And even after treatment, she still had this explosive anger up until the day she died. Mm. Um, I tell an episode in our book, Mended, where uh, my mom was in the hospital for a medical emergency and had asked me to go um, to a neighborhood um, store not too far from the hospital. She wanted some pajamas. And I was so happy um, to do something for her. That had been my lifetime, (laughs) trying to please her and not have her get angry. Um, And so I delighted in going to to get her these things. And at the time, saw some of those, do you remember the black velvet shoes with the jewels on them that yes. were set rage years ago? Well, she had been wanting some, and there they were. And I scooped those up and took them to the hospital, just waiting for her to be so excited. Well, she had a pissy fit right there, and uh, she was about to go into surgery, and she she said that the heel wasn't right. So mm. we know that. Anger is not just wanting your own way, but wanting things a certain way. And that was, she just never did get deliverance from that. And all those years of anger and control, uh, 
it felt personal, but and there was a secret place in my heart. I knew it wasn't personal, but mm. I had a deep desire in my heart not to repeat that pattern, that family pattern with Blythe and her, her brother, Brian. That was truly the longing of my heart. Just, yeah. Lord, please help me to know some things to avert this repetition yeah because i know there's a psychological principle that if whatever you focus on you will repeat it is really just mark that down yeah so um backing up a few years from that um blythe and i had had begun to isolate some of the family patterns and purpose in our hearts to not repeat them. So we'll tell more in the moments ahead, but that's sort of a run through of how it was. And uh, it is confusing. I'm sure your listeners have seen dysfunction, if not in their own family, in others. And it is confusing when there are really good times as well as difficult times. Yeah. It's, it's a tough wall. Yeah. Well, you touched on this a little bit, uh, but explain um, how experiencing all of this affected you being a mom. Right. I, I just longed to, I knew where the hot spots were. I knew what was painful for me. Um, mostly I'd say my mom's uh, words, her verbal abuse was rampant and mm. in that she would say things like, you are so stupid, you can never do anything right. All those you nevers and you always. And so I had begun to develop a list of things that I knew I didn't want to do or be to fly, for instance. And so that that was paramount in my heart and, and in my thinking for years. Mm. And I I think that there are always clues as to what God is leading you into. And all those years he had led me into some studies in psychology. And of course, I was familiar with the AA materials and other things that helped me along the way to not repeat the pattern. I mean, yeah. that was that was what drove me is to not be hurtful to apply. Yeah. And um, again, we dedicated our book Mended to Mom and and there was such a huge part of her that wanted her story, her story, to help others. And I think she got victory in a, a lot of areas. It wasn't yeah. everything she hoped to be. Um, but I think the bottom line is God calls us to do all that we know to do in a volatile relationship. And then we have to leave it. Yeah. And so I have no regrets in that I think that I really did do everything I knew to do at the time. Yeah. Well, I love the sentence that you said, um, talking about um, the never and always um, statements. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it is so common. Yes. And you say it in the heat of a moment, but it's like you're. Um, I mean, I remember the first time um, in my first year of marriage, um, my husband and I were having an argument and I made, I don't even know what we were fighting about, but I made the phrase, you always blah, 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 whatever that phrase was. Mm -hmm. And he turned and looked at me and he said, do I really always do that? (laughs) And it stopped me in my tracks. And I went, well, no, you don't. And he was like, how about we don't use that word anymore? Because I don't always do that. And I went, you're exactly right. But I had wound, like, I mean, I could feel that I had wounded him by saying that because I'd put a label on him. And I'm thinking even you just saying that some mom or sister or spouse needs to hear that always and never makes it feel like you've just prophesied over them something that is just not truth. You know what I mean? That was, that's just wisdom. I love what you're saying about that. And what I would... What I would love to hear, and maybe we need to read the book to get the full story on this, but how how do you recover um, from from that mental mapping in your head as a kid to always, you know, repeatedly be told, Mm, that's good, you're not, you know, it gets in your brain and it's, 
I would, I would love to hear, how did you, how did you grab onto the Lord? How did he help you recover? How did your studies, if you can say that, I don't know. If I'd be glad to. Yes, let's dive in. I have long believed uh, that messages matter. You know, mm. what we say and gee, the scriptures are so full of um, scriptures about the, you know, be careful what you say, a soft answer turns away wrath, all of those. In fact, we put many of them in our book, Mended. But there are countless admonitions for us to be so careful what we say. But there are many verses, too, that talk about be careful what you think and encouraging us to bring every thought captive. So I think one of my life verses is that 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, where it says, though um, it it encourages us to bring every thought captive. Mm -hmm. And so um, God taught me years ago a a wonderful um, strategy. Here's the strategy. (laughs) uh, Make a left-hand column of your thoughts and feelings and, and then make a second column on the right of what's the truth. And here, here we go. So like if you're thinking, I can never do anything right, That's go over to the second hand column and say, God, what is the truth here? Because it's the truth that sets us free. So that John 8, 31 and 32 so is good. so powerful. And then the trick is we have to hang there in the second hand column. I mean, even though we'll scoot back to the left hand column, thinking and feeling and those old thoughts of I can never do anything right, um, you go back to what the truth is and you stay there. And I, I think God just encourages us to stay with the truth mm-hmm. and not go into that land of the thoughts and feelings that are not according to his 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 words. So that's how I stayed healthy. In other words, she'd say these terrible things to me. And I know, and then God would say, well, you're a safe target. She knows it's not about you. She knows that you won't retaliate. Mm. And I could stay there. I could rest on that. And as long as I stayed on that channel, I was in pretty good shape. But Oh, the tears. I mean, over the years. That sounds yes. like a song, doesn't it? <laughs> good country song. Somebody can take that and make a recording. That's just fine. That's Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not a musician. Did you, um, did you come to know the Lord as a young girl? And then that's how he kind of fed your strategy? Good question. Thank you, Katie. No, I... I had a heart for God when I was young. I can remember sin- sitting in an Air Force chapel in Germany in when I was nine. And I remember telling God I'd like to be a missionary. <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from, but I know I had a heart for him all through my young years and in college. But um, I... And I was president of the Religious Life Association at my college, but I did not know him. I was as lost as a goose in snow. I I went to a little Bible coffee in 1970 here in Dalton, and there someone uh, shared the Four Spiritual Law booklet with me. And bingo I knew that day that I had become a Christian I mean I had known all about the Lord had a heart for him and and walked some miles all of that but the question was had I ever personally received him and I there was never a time in my life I knew to do that I never knew to invite him in so that day in April of 1970 I invited him in and Mm. I was this sweet blight that you're about to meet and so she has been with me now all these years and thank goodness that I had the Lord in my life before um, I, we tackled all that together mm. and and we were about to tackle the hardest years with my mom but as I said I did get to lead her to Christ and one of the uh, joys that she had in her walk were some wonderful tapes by Dr. 
Charles Stanley, he did a series once on emotions and she loved that cassette tape series so much. And, you know, it makes me um, so glad that we did enter into some help here and there as much as we knew to, to do. Um, makes me sad that she didn't leave the earth with the victorious life that she wanted. But I can say there's a wonderful verse in Ephesians 6, it's verse 13, that says, and having done all to stand, that's in the section about the armor. And I, so I know that I did everything I could mm. at the time. And I have to stand there. As I said, I, I, I want to not have any regrets that I didn't love her in all the ways that I could. I know it did drive me to, to learn more and more. And I think that was why I was addicted to school. <laughs> I love um, getting a bachelor's and then, a, and then a master's and a specialist and then the doctorate. And I'm sure it was my personal search to continue to have answers for mom's anger and her control. But I, and those were some of the first adult conversations that Blythe and I had were ha- I would say, Ply, help me if you if I sound controlling or if I am angry, would you please correct me? Would you help me? So early on, I I encouraged Bly to help me to not walk the same way mom did. Yeah. yeah. That's wow. beautiful. That is. That's amazing. And that sounds totally healthy to me. Like you two were healthy. Yeah, that's so uh, good. Made me a miracle. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. Well, Blythe, tell us your story and tell us about how your mom's relationship with her mom affected you and, and your growing up years and all of that. So I grew up, you know, seeing this relationship with mom and her mom being played out. And I remember stepping in sometimes and even telling my grandmother, you don't talk to my mom that way. I remember as a young girl <laughs> saying that because I saw how that was affecting my mom and it was, it was putting her down and no child wants to live in an environment that is tearing someone down or causing harm. And so as I, as I saw this story, there was something in me that thought I want more for my mom and I want more for us as a family. I just didn't know how to process that very well as a young girl. But as mom said, as I was growing up, she would come to me and say, oh, you know, how do you, how did that sound to you? Or how do you feel like I handled that situation with your friends? Um, so we did have some honest conversations. Um, but like most teenagers, um, when I was about 17, I just really kind of detached from mom. And that was probably some of our our unhealthy years where a couple of years where I I really just tried to kind of be my own person and, and probably tried to spread my wings a little sooner than I needed to. And I would say that I just isolated more with my mom. And, um, and so she was loving and was wanting to have that relationship with me, my senior year of high school, Um, But then as I was preparing to go off to college and making my own decisions, I mean, all of us are independent, right? We all want to make our own decisions and and show that we're doing things right. And by the um, first semester of my freshman year, I had made some choices that weren't the healthiest for me um, from a physical standpoint, as well as a financial standpoint. And so I remember my mom and dad just extending so much grace and love and the way that they handled me really determined how I moved on from there. For instance, they could have said, you did this wrong and we're, we're going to step in and we're going to fix this. And, and yet no one likes to be fixed or told you did something wrong. And so I, I just remember they're asking, would you like us to help you? Um, would you like us to show you what we think could be better for you? And so one of the things that stands out to me the most is this idea of inviting yourself into a relationship and asking, is it okay if I make a suggestion? Instead of dictating in the relationship, because you are the parent, instead of saying, well, you should have done this, and this, is, this would have been better for you, and you messed this up, 
um, let me fix this. So that, you know, none of us like that kind of language. And so mom and dad, especially mom modeled what it's like to show that you care about someone by the way that you respect and honor them in a conversation. And so I really have carried that over into my life um, as a mom. So um, I became a mom uh, almost 13 years ago. I have two daughters and a son. And the way that I've watched my mom and her mom growing up has affected me. I would say that 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 was a story I didn't want to repeat. I didn't want to be controlling of my daughters um, in any way. And I'll tell you a funny story of how um, a, a way that I have tried to control my girls is even in how they dress to church. Now, is that crazy or what? Um, but there, there was a time that it, it, to me, it reflected on who I was as a mom, that they didn't look like they needed to look to go to church. And one day um, my husband picked me up from the airport. I had been traveling uh, somewhere that weekend and they had just, they had just left church. And my younger daughter was probably about eight at the time, was wearing bicycle shorts that were too short and a Star Wars t-shirt that was too short. <laughs> and they had just come from church. And, and that was the moment that I thought, I'm not going to continue to live this story because I started questioning how in my head, how could he have let them go to church like that? What would other people think of me as the mom, even though I wasn't there? So you can see how sometimes how we process why, why would someone allow their child to do that? Like we, we care a lot of times what people think about us more than we care about our own children. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really helpful to see where I tend to want to control as mom talked about, um, that control has run in our family. We're strong women. Uh, our family's full of women that really are opinionated and pretty strong. And so letting go of that control and that desire to make things always right and to fix things and perfectionistic tendencies, um, I've really had to learn how to let those go because what we always come back to in our story is that the relationship is more important than who's right. Mm. And we don't want to fix a person. We want a relationship with a person. Um, So that's how it's played out for me of recognizing the story that I grew up in and how mom's role as a mom has really given me the, the platform, the ability to be a healthy mom and, and yeah. the way that we've come together to work things out when we've had, when we've had differences of opinions um, or distance between us, the way that we've handled those really has helped me in my role as a mom to my children. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can oh, I, um, this I is that. not one of our <laughs> scripted questions, but I'm dying to ask it if you don't mind. Did you have some bitterness against your grandma because of the way you saw her treat your mom? That is a great question. I would say that um, there were parts of me that felt um, that she maybe wasn't as safe as a person as I had hoped she would be. So I would say that it probably caused some doubt Um, because we all, you know, we all want that loving grandmother who's just always consistent. And when I didn't see that, it caused me to want to back away from her Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. a bit. And so I would say that it was probably some doubt of, of who she was and, and not knowing when these moments would come up the way that she would act toward my mom and toward her own husband, my dear grandfather. Um, I just knew that there had to be a better way. Um, but I did love her and she loved me. And in those moments when we had a real connection, it was deep and it was true. And just like most stories and those who are listening can probably relate. Most stories have some good and some hard as well as, Mm -hmm. um, just moments that you don't know what to do with. And so I would say that, um, I wanted to focus more on the good parts of our story than the hard mm, parts, I love um, but that. those hard parts were there. And, and as, as you all have done so well in this program and what you all are about is that hope and courage is what we wanted to, to really focus on. And it, it does, it's easy to get caught up in your, your hard places and your hard stories. And I just have found that that's never been helpful for me to, to mm. focus and to stay there and to try to get sympathy or, but like when I truly stand up for who I know I am and who I know my family 
wants to be that there is more courage. There's more hope for us as a family when I live from that place of victory versus a place of, you know, shame or guilt or messed up again as a mom. How did I blow it again? Um, but that's just such so self-defeating, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And it really goes back to what you were saying, Helen, about, um, I don't know if you use this first, but one that has been resonating with me is, as a man thinketh in his heart, oh, is he? he is. And the idea that our thoughts truly do lay down pathways in our brain and it, it change our brain in a way to either good or, or bad. Yeah. So what we focus on, what we dwell on, then changes that brain chemistry. And then that's affects our decisions, the way we talk, the way we act, what the choices we make, and it really Mm -hmm. becomes who we are. So I love that, like that you were able to recognize Mm -hmm. that and dwell on the good parts and let go because a, a person dear to me, uh, had a father that sounds like your mother, uh, you know, a, a great man, generous, kind, loving, but very temperamental and angry and would say outrageous things. And she developed this need to protect her mother as a girl. Like she felt it was her responsibility to re- protect her mother. And then that Mm -hmm. brought all kinds of issues and eating disorder and this and that and bitterness and anger and can't let go and can't move on. And it breaks my heart. And I think that's why I wanted to ask you, how'd you get free? And why I wanted to ask you, like, (laughs) how did you keep from developing that inner, um, that inner angst, your own self and be free, uh, be free of that. I think this is so important listeners. And many of you, you're like, well, may, I can't relate. I didn't have any verbal abuse or any of that walking on eggshell stuff, but you live long enough. You're going to come across some dysfunctionality. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, the, the thing I love about this story is that, um, you know, I, think often about um, when the Bible talks about the sins of the fathers. Well, here we are, the sins of the mothers. And it is hard to break those cycles. It is hard to break those cycles. Because if you look back through the generations of your family, you could, you can find something that is, it is similar in each thing. It may, it may look different, but it is the same um, central problem. And what I love here is that, I mean, our listeners cannot see these beautiful ladies, but I will tell you this. Um, Helen literally has not stopped smiling from the moment that we entered into the podcast. Like she literally has, I'm not kidding, not like not one second has just stopped smiling. And you can tell that truly the healing that has happened is because of the Holy Spirit's work in her life. You can tell her genuine, it's going to make me emotional, her genuine love for her daughter is so evident. I mean, even when she said we walked through this together and Blythe was in her tummy and they still walked through all of this healing together. And I think the Holy Spirit had so much to do with breaking that sin cycle. And that that's huge. I mean, I think some of our listeners right now are sitting in a relationship that feels like a pit and that they're never going to be able to crawl out. Right. And I'm telling you, even knowing Helen was a full-grown adult, when God started doing this healing, I mean, it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like there is, this <laughs> yeah. is, yeah, that's, that's a powerful thing. Absolutely. And yes, yes. And I just, I think, um, no one needs to feel hopeless about a relationship because God can restore anything. And this book that they have written mended restoring the hearts of mothers and daughters. Here's my challenge. I would not read this um, if you are only having problems, I would read this. If you think your <laughs> relationships are whole, like I would read this no matter what, because you're at some point in your life, you're going to experience a experience parts of your relationship that need a restoring part. And I love what Blythe said that you want to live from a place of victory. And I feel like reading this book is a proactive thing. I feel like I'm a commercial right now. I'm not, not meaning to be, I just think it's the Holy Spirit <laughs> saying, if you want to live from a place of victory, then you need to be proactive in what you're filling your mind with. And you need to be proactive with the way God 
gives you the armor to take care of things. And this is part of that is learning how that, because even the always in the now who, I mean, the Holy spirit is like saying, Hey, um, the reason you're recording this today is so that you can hear to stop using always and never. Because I always, here, I, just, I mean, I find myself I saying always. that. Yes, I always say always or never. And I'm thinking, I just needed to hear that one phrase right there. Because that, in like to stop saying that breaks the sin cycle. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, anyway, I'm rambling. I just think and, it's a beautiful and thing. we have free choice. What What I heard you say, Helen, was, you observe the mother-daughter relationship with your own mother, but at some point you chose to not repeat that cycle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think so if you good. have a worldview that you don't really have free choice, that you are a victim of your own biology, you're a victim of your own raising, and that you know, you're just gonna repeat this, and you that's not biblical. God has said, I've set before you life. And death, choose yeah. choose life. You have yeah. a choice. And so you made a choice. I am not going to repeat this generational cycle. And you reached out even to your own daughter for help in that saying, please point out to me if I sound controlling. I love that. And the other thing I really, really love is that you chose to love your mother yeah. instead yeah. of <laughs> always dwelling on the negative, like, well, you know what? She really messed me up because she said I was worthless and stupid and blah, blah, blah. The way you talk about her is so beautiful. It is beautiful. And you can't stop smiling. That's, it, you just, <laughs> I mean, it's just so beautiful. I bet you just love being a grandmother though. Don't you? Honey? I have loved it. I, I tell you, <laughs> wife has got wonderful children. I love that. Those three are just my heart. And I really, my son's two daughters are much older and uh, they're college and after college ages and they they are glorious too and I, I, it's just the lord that i mean we could have really been a much more messed up family <laughs> but god has healed us in so many countless ways mm. um i mean it, I it's love that. just amen life I- isn't that a joy to watch her be a grandmother oh it's it is amazing <laughs> it's 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 really probably reliving some of the best parts of my childhood and seeing mm. what I was like as a kid and, and how she responds. And uh, it's so fun. And I know it's fun for those who have had a hard story to see some good come from it. Yes, you know yes. When we press in and we don't give up hope um, that God really is at work. And I don't know if you all have noticed or experienced this where things are just hard for a few days and you know, you're, you're, you're faithfully reading God's word you're, you're doing the things that you know that you're supposed to do, but we get, we get stuck or we think this isn't working or I must be doing something wrong. And then the day that, that something amazing happens or something comes through that you were praying for and God just continues to show us he's faithful. He will do that, which he says he's going to do. And I do believe when he puts the desires in our hearts that he's put those there. We have these desires. I had desires for children, didn't have them until I was in my mid thirties, but I, I, do believe that when we have a desire in our heart for a relationship or a desire for a new calling or a new ministry or something that just feels like it's not happening right now in the moment, and we've been praying for it, but, but to continue to be faithful, because God always comes back and, and brings to us what we've, what we've asked for, what we've, um, what we've prayed for, and it may not come like the way that we've asked, but he's faithful. So I just want to encourage people, if you're stuck right now or feeling like God's just not coming through for you, to continue to press in and ask him, what are you showing me in this season? And I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to, I'm going to put my faith out there. And I know that you're not going to let me down because that's who you are. Uh, so I just see that in our lives and many other lives as well, that, that God will not let his children down. He will I not love that. Man. And true yeah. praise and true trust and true faith is when the times are hard and the story yeah. is yeah. broken. I mean, why do you need trust and faith when everything's going your way, really? <laughs> you know, but, um, and I see that, Helen, so much in your story that, yes, it was a hard story in certain chapters, but then those chapters prepared your life's mission. I mean, if, oh, you, had, really? if you hadn't had that hardship, would you have become a, a doctor? I don't think so. It, it, 
It's one of those aha moments when you go, oh, I get it, Laura. I see what you did. I see what you did. I see. I see. And you don't often see until way down the road looking back, but it's so obvious now. But restoration, God is all over us Mm. wanting us to be restored to him and then restored with one another and there's a wonderful human word that we is called metacognition, but it just means thinking about our thinking. And I think that's the area that Blythe and I are talking about today. It's so important because whatever we think we're going to say, <laughs> we say. And I, I know as you all began to talk about grandparenting, I would say that's one thing that the Holy Spirit has been so riding on my shoulders to be sure and always um, be careful about what I say to the grandchildren and that they, every word matters. And that means not giving advice. Although Blythe and I share in the book Mended, there is a way to ask if you can give advice. And that is to <clears throat> wait for a period of time and then say, may I give you some feedback or could I share some thoughts about what you just said? Or what you said yesterday. And and so it's not that we have become stuffers, but we are measured now in how we speak. But we've learned truly so much. One of the other, uh, another example we give in in the book Mended is um, the illustration of two cups bumping. And we say that what comes out of each cup is what's in your heart. And that's Mm. how I knew. God gave me that mental picture decades ago to know what I was responsible for and what I wasn't responsible for in my relationship with mom. Because there was, it was such a confusing time when you're in the slap middle of dysfunction. Yeah. But if your listeners, if that could help someone, just uh, see what's coming at out of your cup because <laughs> my so mom would say you make me so mad and so God wants us to not take on false shame and false responsibility and so um I mean just our own cup is enough right mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to take care of but but oh, uh, so thinking good. about our words is really helpful and I knew I'm jumping ahead to when um, Blythe did leave home and had started her own family I remember one of the lessons so God's still teaching me but (laughs) one of the main things that I I remember him showing me is that I was loving her too much (laughs) I, I made up a word as we wrote the book over love and it was another word for the lack of, I mean, it was, Blythe is such a great relationship that I tended to overlove, if that's possible, it, because of the lack, really, that I had with my mom. So that was a danger zone, and we have watched that. And um, boundaries, it was a real area of healing and restoration that God did in our family, didn't he, Blythe? Mm-hmm. So I cannot wait to read that. I cannot wait to read that because I get what you mean about overlove. I said to my own daughter um, just last week, I said, here's the thing. I love you so much that I can't bear to see you in pain. So I want, I I feel like I have this need to tell you what you want to hear, you know, stroke and try to do anything (laughs) to get you out of this pain. But that's wrong. That's not really loving you well, because what you're going through right now, she's she's got some issues. is is painful, <laughs> and I, well, you know, to to love her well, I gotta back off. Okay, she's going to experience some pain. Trust God yeah. with her pain and quit, because really, it's it's almost idolatry. I said I cannot idolize. Mm-hmm you and our relationship at all costs. I have to keep God on the throne because he's sovereign and he is worthy of my worship and and tells me to beware. And you can make relationships an idol and it that doesn't go well. 
I said, that won't go well for you or me. I promise you. So know that I love you with everything in me, but I want to be wise with that love. I don't know. Does that make sense? That's anyway. Great, That's great. And that allows That's her to grow in her relationship with the Lord. Mm. Or let's just say that there's someone listening whose daughter's in the same place and they don't have a relationship with the Lord. They're watching you model him and you're trusting God for the hard place that they're in with their life you know, that they would even come to you and say, mom, how can you be so calm right now? Or mom, what is it you want to say? I know you must be thinking something. What do you want to say? Um, so I'm trying to do that with my daughters and my son as well, of letting them see my, my trust in God and not as much as I want to step in, but let them develop their relationship with the Lord. I, I, I ask them if they want to pray with me and if they'll pray out loud and, and just give them those learning tools of how to connect with God and um, and, and let them develop that relationship with God because yeah, he won't that. disappoint them. I will, but he won't. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. I told Molly this morning, I said, oftentimes we want to do the job of the Holy spirit because we think we should, but if we'd back off, maybe the Holy spirit would actually do his job. I mean, I mean, of course he would, that sounded <laughs> blasphemous. Of course the Holy spirit always does his job, but I think sometimes we get in his way and he's like, okay, I, I'm pulling back until you allow me freedom yeah. uh, to work in your loved one's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but letting go, it's hard. Yeah. But, oh, you know, that is hard. Yeah. But listeners, you know what? This, all of us, all of us ask God for help. I believe a podcast like this, a story like this, is God answering some of your pleas for help, for wisdom, because First of all, you can just hear these beautiful ladies' stories, but then you can take another step and get their book, um, which I definitely plan on doing um, because God says, if you lack wisdom, you can ask for it and he will give it to you freely and without reproach. Well, how does he do that? He doesn't just open up your brain and pour it in there. You got, you, you got to take some steps to welcome that wisdom. So take a step, buy the book. Um, ladies, I know we're running out of time. Can, if you had one statement... Uh, that you could leave our listeners with, what would it be? Oh, I, I tell you the verse that we launched the book with is Isaiah 58, 12. It is a beautiful verse expressing God's heart about he longs for us to be restorers of the breach. Any of the breaches in your family, that, that would be a good example. And then it talks about rebuilding the ancient ruins. And so God's heart is restoration. So if that is your listeners' hearts, they long to restore their relationship with God or with family members or friends, then God is wanting that for you. And um, the first step would be to make sure that you have invited him in, um, that there was a moment in your life when you settled that, sin account with God is just a minute's time <laughs> to just Amen. invite him in. And um, that's what I never knew to do until um, 1970 at that little coffee is to pray and invite him in. And that over and done. Now I'm doing the walk in, in, in his word. But I, I just think if you will know that restoration is yours, if you will ask him to help you do that, he, he longs for you to get restored to him and restored with the people around you. I love that. That's so good. And I would just add to that, that I, I really want people to understand and experience what we've experienced, um, that there is hope for you through whatever, hard season you're in relationally with someone or whatever circumstances that you didn't choose, um, but that you really can be okay. We can yeah. be okay if our relationships don't get restored fully. Um, we, we can be closer to God through it and that um, God is the person that is meant to fill us up. Relationships aren't meant to fill us up. Things aren't meant to fill us up. And so to continue to go to God with your heart's cry and with your expectations and um, and he will give you the peace that your heart longs for. So many of us are walking around going, I don't know if I'll ever be okay again. And, and we just want to affirm through 
trials that we've been through and trials we're still going through that we can be okay, regardless of where we are and our circumstances, that God is a faithful, sovereign God, and we really are going to be okay when we're with him. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's so good. Ladies, you guys are a gift. I mean, you don't even know how much of a gift you guys have been today. And I hope right now, listeners that are listening, um, you, if this is speaking to you, and you also know of someone else that this could speak to, we want you to share this episode. We want you to text your friends about the book Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters, um, because we believe in this good, good work that they have done, um, not only in their relationship, but this good work in this book that is going to be able to help many, many relationships. Because here's what I want you to know. The good work that they have put together in this book, you guys, I firmly believe it could affect generations to come because once you do the hard work of healing a mother-daughter relationship, you have affected generations to come because I want you to see by Helen doing the hard work and Blythe doing the hard work, now they're even seeing this next generation experience relationship that they would not have known had they not put the hard work in. And so this is an important, important book for you to get. It's an important book for you to read. And oh my heavens, can you imagine the daughters coming behind you that are going to know Jesus better as a result of the hard work you put into your relationship? Amen. I mean, it's beautiful. Amen. It's absolutely Amen. beautiful. Ladies, you guys are a gift. Amen. You are an absolute yeah. gift. I and let me say, let me say one more thing about that book. Some of you ladies don't have daughters and you're like, eh, not for me. Still get it. Get it. Yes. For one thing, if you have sons, they might get married and then you will have daughters. You'll have daughters in law. Okay? That's you will right. Have daughters in law. But I think I'm sure the principles could apply to a that's right a father son a you know a mother son a mother yeah right so yeah. don't right. don't let that crimp you um, and I liked what you said Susan you might not have a breach right now right. or troubles right now you will this is probably <laughs> <laughs> the time to read the book get prepared that's right, that's right. anyway yeah. get some tools but, in your tool belt that's exactly absolutely. right absolutely ladies. Um, I feel like we could talk on and on with you two for I know. a long time. Thank you guys um, so much. I thank hope- you so much for the opportunity to share with you. Thank you. Oh, this is so good. We'd love to meet you in person once COVID lifts. We're I know. doing road trips. and uh, Yes, there you yeah. go. That's good. That's Hopefully good. Hopefully we'll make our way to Dalton, Georgia and Colorado Springs. That's Colorado right. Someday. That's <laughs> love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you all so are a gift. Thank you. Well, you guys are precious and we love you and we love all you listeners. All right, yeah. listeners, you guys have a great week and we will see you again next Friday. Bye.